So hello and welcome to episode six of Rose Tinted Black and White TV, the spin-off review section. It's only the second one of those, but we'll still call it episode six, which obviously you've found because you're listening on Soundstage North's SoundCloud channel. My co-host as ever is David Newell. And hello, good evening, morning, afternoon. <laughs> uh, because people could be listening at any time and almost in any time zone if they've uh, <laughs> made the misguided decision to actually listen to it in Australia or somewhere. We're talking about The Saint again. We're talking about season one and an episode called The Golden Journey. And to make it quite clear, as they do in the script, this is Simon Templer's Taming of the Shrew. It says here, Dave to summarize. Oh right, okay. Oh right, okay. Oh, I better have then. Um, yes, the episode um starts off. It's a bit of a palaver in Costa Brava, um, and it is a uh, friend of Simon Templer who is getting wed, and it is um, his fiance that um, Simon meets. Now it gets a little bit confusing right at the beginning, um, because it's played by Erica Rogers. And only a couple of weeks ago, Erica Rogers was playing the fiance of a friend of the saint. Um, but it's a different character, different character entirely. So, so don't be alarmed. Although um, I think it's the second appearance of four that she had um, with a saint. So she must have had kind of like a Leslie Charteris loyalty card or, or something like that. She appeared in it um, all the time. Um, again, what doesn't help is that uh, both the costume and makeup department have made no real great effort um, to make Erica look any different from the previous episode that she was in. The hairstyle's the same, dress the same, same shoes by the look of it. Um, and, and Erica's character is is a little bit a little bit snooty she yells at waiting on staff um and she's there with her aunt um and the idea is it see it seems to be there's a little bit of a setup between the, the saint and the aunt um to teach erica to teach belinda a lesson and so what better way to teach a lesson than to stage a robbery steal someone's um passport money Traveler's checks and um, jewelry and everything else as well, and then they 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 go on this hike, um, which uh, Simon Templer is saying that he's going off on and, and offers her the opportunity to to tag along, um, so that they can finally catch up with her um, fiance. And then it's it's kind of like a wacky, crazy road trip. I was expecting it to turn out a bit like Midnight Run with Robert De Niro, um, but with less swearing. And uh, yes, they, they, they go on this journey through, through Spain, although it oddly looks like Cumbria. Um, and what is noticeable is that you do not see Erica Rogers or Roger Moore um, actually out and about walking in like all the hilly environment of, of Cumbria. There's a lot of long shots. Yes, well, they seem to have employed doubles. Yes. Erica Rogers' double had slightly fluffier hair it seems to me yeah it could be cumbria i mean i did wonder you know when they were crossing that river simon templer actually falls in the river so i mean that's <laughs> would have messed his hair up i, I kind of wonder mm. whether that was bolton abbey <laughs> could be the what is the the very odd path that they have to navigate for this is that usually in this kind of setup 
with two people who are banging heads together right at the beginning. And then they go on a life affirming journey where they both learn a little bit about themselves and they both become a little bit changed. Invariably, they they fall for one another, um, such as you said, you know, like romancing the stone, uh, um, you know, that kind of setup. But obviously, the whole thing behind this is that that's the one thing they don't want to have happen. Else it's going to be totes orcs um, for Simon's best friend, you know, oh. Is your fiance? We've walked down the coast. Oh, and sorry, she fancies me now. Oh, that'd be a dreadful conversation to have. Um, so they have to navigate it towards the end so that um, she does become perhaps a person who has a different approach to life, um, but she doesn't fancy Simon. Um, though she pretends to at one stage. Yes, yes, she does, yes. And Roger Moore actually manages to look quite scared at the prospect. <laughs> Though he may have just been playing up as well. Yeah, don't know, don't know. I mean, you mentioned the Pearls of Peace. Her character is fairly mercenary, but in The Golden Journey, she's absolutely foul and also given to outbursts of physical violence. She slaps a lot of people. She does. She slaps a guy who's given her a lift can't remember if it's in a car or on a motor. No, she tries to steal the motorbike, then gets arrested after having slapped somebody. She slaps a cop, doesn't she? One of the Guardia Seville. And Simon Templar has to bribe him to keep quiet about it. Then they embark on this 100-mile hike down the coast. <laughs> and there's quite a few going up and down hills, and then there's a lot of studio set forest um and a bottomless rucksack for for simon because he manages to have in there um two ground sheets two blankets um some spare blankets spare outfit plus all his pots and pans as well so he's he's very well prepared very interestingly again just a bit of continuity so we can't tell the difference between erica rogers's character in this and the other um pearls of peace and pearls of peace She's looking to get $500 back that she's invested. Um, and in this one, The Golden Journey, um, she wants to borrow $500 uh, so she can kind of like um, just get by because she's obviously had everything nicked. Seems fascinated by that $500. Obviously, nowadays, it wouldn't be a lot. But it seems that, you know, you have an idea of the, the, the conversion rate because he keeps saying how many pesetas they've got left. And obviously, as, as the journey progresses, that money dwindles and dwindles. They're going to sleep in the forest, but they have to eat at the cantina where she's been very rude about the guitarist. The flamenco guitarist, yeah. And Simon Temper obviously loves a bit of flamenco and is very complimentary to yes. Ricardo Cortez. Apparently, Simon Templer, big Jose Feliciano fan. Loves him. Can't get enough of him. So let's just run through... The cast, we talked about Erica Rogers. Stella Bonheur, who's the scheming aunt. I don't think there's any other way to it is, describe her. There's no her. other way to describe her as an aunt. No, no, no other way to describe What a terrible plan. Uh, well, she thinks this is a good idea because the fiancé loves Belinda so much that he wouldn't hit her, which seems to... I think that's a sign of true love. It seems to imply that the aunt actually thinks that physical violence might be the way forward. And different times. Uh, An unusual barometer, as as Chris Rock, um, the comedian, once said about, you know, you often hear parents extolling that they're good parents because they've never hit their kids. 
um, and you just go, that's not a good measuring stick. The fact that you've never hit your 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 kids, it's kind of it's what you're meant to do anyway, and then it's the stuff on top. So where where are we? Ah, oh, yes, Stella Bonner, no points, Avengers points. Oh. But it's her second appearance in this season of The Saint. And previously, she was in The Element of Doubt. So she puts The Saint up to stealing her niece's belongings. Yes, Erica Rogers' character slaps and punches a lot of people, including Simon Templer. And he threatens to put her over his knee. And eventually he does. He does, um, yes. He- I'm not convinced that that would work psychologically. If you were going to try and apply that in real life. Um, um, yeah, so what you're saying is at the moment um, to, to perhaps redress the balance, we couldn't do it to, to Boris Johnson. We couldn't, we couldn't tan his backside because it wouldn't work, would it? No, it wouldn't work because no. he's incapable of learning. There um, we go. Now, Paul Whitson-Jones, who was the woodcutter who was driving the uh, sawmill, from um, oh right yes Jan, yeah okay paul Whitson jones has four points to kathy gale oh wow where he played the kind of a, an early incarnation of someone like mother but without the wheelchair so he was actually the boss of the intelligence service and then he was in one mrs peel which i think was the room without a view and in one tower king which was fog <gasps> The only thing we're not going to mention is that thing that Ray Fiennes was in. Oh right, okay, sorry. Yeah, I knew there was. I knew there was boundaries. The the boundaries uh, are you do not talk about that because that is not just a crime against the Avengers; it's a crime against cinema. All right, uh, right. I told you not. Told you we shouldn't have mentioned it. No, but he's getting wild. Getting wild again. What do I do? <laughs> but yes, if anyone out there thinks, what about that film from nineteen ninety seven? Don't talk about it. It's just not done. Anyway, he also did Four Saints. And it wasn't the first outing with Roger Moore because he was in one episode of Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe! Now, some of those are available on YouTube. I've yet to have a look at them. They look like they've been recorded and copied several times on a very dodgy VHS and then, <laughs> and then uploaded to YouTube. I have watched a clip and Roger Moore is being extremely upper class and well-bred while wearing a suit of armour. Uh, is he being gallant? Kind of. He, he still has wonderful hair despite the helmet. Um, Paul Whitson-Jones, one May Gray. If you go to IMDb, there's a very comprehensive and appropriately Avengers slanted biography. And he was a TV stalwart who died far too young in 1974, only aged 50, which is kind of of similar to Patrick Newell. And they were those guys that all together, you sort of think, well, if one isn't available, then we'll get the other one. Just get the other one, yeah. Roger Delgado, two points, two cents. The master! Uh, two Magres, one Sergeant Court, and of course was the first and best master in Doctor Who. 37 episodes. Another one who died 
too early, age 55 in 1973. And I can only assume that it's most likely to be heart trouble, I would have thought, with all these people sort of dying in their mid-50s. David Lawton, no points, but four Maygrays. Ricardo Montes, one point, but seven Saints. Away uh, win. Ricardo Cortes, the guitar player, and Geraldine Addison's. This episode is their only screen credit, according to IMDb. Um, oh, right. What that, did they do the rest of the time? I presume that they were on stage or ran antique shops or something like that. Right. Um, Terry Sartain has one and a half points. Uh, for new listeners, right, okay. one point per appearance in uh, an original Avengers episode, half a point in the concrete extension of the new Avengers. And then we get into some very interesting uh, stuff about uncredited credits. There's a fellow called Roy Beck, uh, no points, but a long career on screen, almost entirely uncredited, and he deserves oh. mention. Um, Andrew Andreas, two points, including one for bidding for the kidnapped Mrs. Peel in an auction. And five saints, and he played a lot of waiters in his career. Fred Stroud, half a point, which was the first New Avengers, in which he played a waiter, as he does here in The Golden Journey. Four saints, three danger mans. Now, Ray Marioni, no points, but two saints and two maigres, quite a few uncredited waiters, but his speciality was as a croupier. IMD lists him playing one no less than 15 times. You see, if you've got that, uh, that skill, we did a, um, when at uni, we did a stage version of um, Casablanca um, and the old Grosvenor Casino in Leeds. And um, we took the cast out one night because you used to be able to join for free. Membership was free. Um, so that everyone had an idea what was actually going on and what it actually means when people say rien avait bleu um, and those kinds of uh, um, phrases. And because there's there's nothing worse than actors having props and not knowing what to do with them or being given a task and and they look dreadfully uncertain. So yeah, to to have that as a as a skill to be able to use you know that scrapey thing and put all the the chips down and and say you know no more bets and and you know to spin your little white ball it's a skill it's an art it certainly is and casinos will play an increasing role in the saints and in mm -hmm. a lot of other itc shows i remember that uh, i think brian blessed plays uh, a very menacing casino owner in Randall and Hopkirk, one episode of that. Yes, casinos, obviously uh, a, a big thing. Now, as you know, my twin brother, Jonathan, is currently working on something for us. Uh, and he's just written a scene in a casino. Right. This is the thing in which you're going to be General de Gaulle at some point. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. But at the moment, he's living the Dolce Vita. I've got no idea when he's going to finish it. So oh, right. uh, okay. uh, I, I will button the hole in the next time we do a Zoom and see whether we can move things on. But yes, Ray Marioni, 15 appearances as a croupier. Um, if anyone can top that... Uh, on screen i'd like to see it yeah, it's not a thing you're gonna lie about you know that thing of right oh excuse me you know can you ride a horse apparently clint eastwood you know was asked oh can you ride a horse yeah sure i can you know because you used you know that idea of you'd say anything to get the job and horse riding 
you know, I suppose has a wider range of it, but that's quite special, you know, uh, um, specializing to say that, yeah, I can run a table. Um, and I bet he was knowledgeable enough. Um, so we might be able to slip you, as they are called in the business guy, a dirty stack. I have also heard them called dirty piles, but that's that's a, that's a dreadful thing. And the idea is behind a dirty stack is that quite often, you know, when you get your, your big pile of chips um, come over to you, usually you're just overwhelmed by the fact that you've won and very few people will actually count them. And um, croupiers would sometimes provide people with what's known as a dirty stack. So there might be one or two chips missing so that the the casino is not paying out um what it should be paying out the house always wins yeah inside story yeah Uh, yes i prefer dirty stack to dirty piles yeah dirty piles doesn't sound right it sounds wrong in so many ways um but it was one of the titles considered for faulty towers wasn't it i think so yes oh no we can't use that why i don't know we just can't right lewis davidson the scriptwriter, he wrote one Ian Hendry Avengers, two Saints and three Human Jungles, amongst other stuff. So you can look him up and seek out further work by him. I've been watching the colour versions, which we will come to eventually, and noticing that not only is there a lot of casino action, but uh, Terry Nation starts cropping up in the uh, the very last two series as... Uh, a scriptwriter, and that, that's quite interesting. There aren't many Daleks. Oh, shame. But uh, there are the giant ants. Uh, <laughs> I hate what that's look forward to. Yes, the giant ants, and I think it's Annette Andre in that one, and I think she was in Five Saints. She was in a lot of ITC shows before she was in Randall Hopkirk. So. And she's in Funny Thing on the Way to the Forum as well. She's a romantic interest of um, Michael Crawford. Going off a TV topic, on Talking Pictures, they've been playing a lot of things like The Knack and How to Get It, How I Won the War and stuff like that. Michael Crawford was a huge cinema star. Michael Crawford showed huge promise. You know, like I said, funny thing happened on the way to the forum, the Nat, and then went on to, you know, Hollywood to do uh, Hello, Dolly, Barbara Streisand. And, you know, very, very heavily lobbied um, that he should be dubbed. But he, you know, he fought against it. And no, he did. You know, he did use his own accent. He was in The Games, um, uh, early Michael Winner film, in which he's, he's a, um, a marathon running milkman. So, yeah, he was showing, you know, a lot of uh, star power to be able to do that. And then and then maybe, I don't know, found found difficult to sustain it. But equally, you know, he, he built up comedy chops reputation with um, some mothers do have them, as well as obviously his, his stage work as well. I mean, his stage work is absolutely phenomenal, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera. Garnum. Yeah. So people who only know him as Frank Spencer actually are missing out. Um, and if you've seen Condor Man, you've kind of got everything you deserve. And getting back to uh, Rose Tinted Black and White Television, of course, he's Francis Drake's younger brother in Sir Francis Drake. Oh, right. Okay. So that definitely shows early signs of promise. Right, I think that's dealt with the golden journey. The next one is on Sunday, and I think that's the man who is lucky, and that's the last one of the of season one. Season two, 27 episodes. That makes 39. 
and um, you can sell those to the states quite happily. So uh, we we've now got still 106 episodes after the one on Sunday to review. Driven. You're not doing anything for the next two years, are you? Um, apparently not. Uh, no, I'll have to tune in. Thank you very much, David. This has been the review show of Rose Tinted Black and White Television, technically episode six. Uh, it's been a Soundstage North production. My co-host has been David Newell. I'm Guy Morgan. And we will be doing more of this next week, unless you send us the money. Mm -hmm.